Beautiful. Nicely done, Mitchell. Thank you so much. Please join me in prayer. Lord, it's a good day to be in your house, to be where you're at. It's a good day to hit the pause button on the busyness of our lives and to reflect and be renewed in your love and your care and our identity in you. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's ridiculous to look at a group of 450 people this fall and say life's busy. I mean, let me tell you something you know. Things are busy, and the fall is the season of that. Fall just kind of keeps on moving. It, it doesn't really slow down until Thanksgiving. It's go, baby, go, and this and that, this and that. And, and the unstructured time of summer has given way to the structured time of school and work and Vacation has given way from that sort of freedom to mess around and have fun to a different kind of structure. But make no mistakes, our lives are always constantly moving. It's very seldom anyone just sits unless they're compelled to. And all the stuff of fall. Yesterday was the first day of soccer season. I went to Mattern's Market yesterday to get some stuff for the football game tonight. The Packers play the Bears tonight. And of course, you had to have a party as it's the 100th anniversary of the Packers season. And there were soccer people in Mattern's hanging out. And I looked at my wife and I said two things. How can it be this season already? And two, aren't we glad that we don't have to do this anymore? It was just kind of unreal. But, but there's so much that goes with the fall. Sports and school and football and, and, and soccer and uh, studying and grade books and just getting back at the, at the peace. And, 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 and for those who are maybe a, a little older, you don't have all those things to, to tie you down. You look and you think, hotel prices go down and airfare goes down and we're going to travel. We're going to get up and out. We got a vacation in October. We're out of here. And recreation kind of is that maybe which keeps you, keeps you moving. And then there are those family stops, those things that happen, those, those events that pop onto the calendar, sometimes uh, with, with, a, with a great sense of intent, like a, a wedding or a baptism or a graduation or a new job, and, and you celebrate that and you get after that. And, and then there are those movements of family which are painful, where you slow down and you pause because you have to, because either you or someone else is hurting or sick or going through something emotional, but... You keep moving. It doesn't ever seem to, to stop. But, but all of that begs a larger question. Where are you going? There's lots and lots of stuff going on, but where do you hope to end up? And what will it look like when you get there? And I can't answer that question for you. I wish I could. I wish I just had a slide that said, this is what it looks like to be where you're going. And, but, but you have to answer that. And I'm convinced that doesn't come from doing more. I'm convinced that comes from reflection on the word of God and God working in your life. At least that's the reality from Joshua 24, our Old Testament reading today. And you may want to open your bulletin and kind of turn to those readings because I'm going to get after all three of them a little bit today. But in Joshua 24, it's not the beginning of Joshua's season. It's the, the kind of the ending of his season. He's got way more days behind him than in front of him. 
He's got way more victories and losses behind him than he has in front of him. And so he pulls the people up at Shechem, and they get to sit and think and reflect a little bit on where they've been and where they're going to go. And so Joshua says these words, which engage us here this morning. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Here at Shechem with Joshua and the people, it's a pause, not a stop. He doesn't stop everything and stop life and say, you know, we're just going to quit. Now we're done. I've done my job. I've done my part. Now it's all over. It's a pause. And in that pause, Joshua allows them to look back. Where have you been? Well, we were in Egypt and now we're here. He allows them also then to see how far they've come and how God led them on that way from here to there. They get to reflect on the different landscape. They're not in Egypt as subjects of Pharaoh anymore. They are free as the children of God on their way to the land, in the land, having taken the land. And it's a whole different thing than being a slave in Egypt. And they get to consider how they've changed, matured, and grown in who they are and what they're all about. Some are not with them anymore. Many new younger people and babes in arms over those 40 years. People who know nothing except wandering in the desert. And now it's time to move as a nation and as a covenantal people of God in a, in a whole different way than what they're used to. And no doubt some just forgot. Because that's what people do. Sometimes you just forget and you struggle with where I'm at, where I'm going, and what I'm all about. Because we get so entwined in the busyness and the schedule that we think we have to keep. And sometimes when we forget and things become very perfunctory in our lives, that's maybe the best time to pause. But it's a pause. It's not a stop. Joshua doesn't stop him. He doesn't stop leading. Rather, he stands up and delivers. And the content of this, then, is the story. He says, you remember the story where we were and, and now where we're at. He says, this is where we came from and this is what we're all about. It's like when your children sit with you and you tell the story of your family. He's talking about the Amorites and whose land you're now living. He's making a case for God's presence in their midst. He's saying, hold on to the word and the promise of God. Remember your roots. Remember where you came from. The Lord has been with you each and every moment of this journey. And he ain't leaving now. And then he calls his people to renewal. You can believe whatever you want to believe. You can do whatever you want to do. But by all means, get rid of those dumb idols that you put up on your bookshelves and serve the Lord. And then he makes that marvelous statement, which is on trivets and stones in your garden and, 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 and notes in your house and all sorts of things. You can do whatever you want, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And at that pause, he causes them to take a deep breath, to remember who they were, where they came from, 
and to join him in following Yahweh. Because little did they know it, but there was a lot more movement that was on its way. And so our lives, where do we go today? Where are you going? This may be the only hour and a half this week. If I don't shut the sermon down early, it's going to be an hour and a half. (laughs) To think about where you're going. And that may be one of the most powerful questions in your life. In the middle of all the busy decisions and things you feel like you have to do, where do you hope to end up? And another question that dials in with that is, to what are you connected that makes a difference in living and dying? Because both of those questions are uniquely intertwined. If you're just going through life with all of this busy stuff, and then you die and you bury a tired, exhausted body, then I wonder if you've even lived. Because in being connected to something bigger and grander than yourself, there's purpose in your life. And when we go to be with Jesus, a sense of fulfillment and destiny, that God has done something great in and through us. I love this. If you don't know, Lewis Carroll says, if you don't know where you are going, any road will get you there. Any amount of busyness, any friend groups, any recreation, any sport, any service project, anything you can put on your your schedule will get you where you want to be provided you don't know where you're going. Anybody know what Lewis Carroll wrote besides this quote? How do you guys know that, man? I, that's awesome. Every service, every, how many knew he wrote Alice in Wonderland? Look at y'all, that's pretty good. What a great, great thing. And so, and so we get to think a little bit about being connected to the word and the promise of God. Which when the Israelites stopped at Shechem and when Joshua and Moses would call them to think about where they came from, they may go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, these words. God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. They were held in by that promise of God that somehow, some way, in their travelings, in their busyness, in their lives, that eventually was going to come this Messiah for them. The one who would be the one to make things right with God. And all the sacrifices and all the stuff that they had held on to would go away. And God would reduce Israel to one man, to one person, who we know as Jesus the Messiah. And in that one person, God would tie himself to his people. Not the Israelite people, not the Jewish people alone, but to mankind humanity and that all peoples on earth would be blessed through them through the seed of the woman Jesus the Messiah who would make things right who would suffer and die for his people that was the purpose behind their busyness the purpose behind their wanderings that which gave them clarity in their decisions and when they were unclear called them back to an understanding and adherence to God and to his word. 
And indeed, the Lord kept that promise to Abraham from Genesis 12. And we are inheritors. We are the legacy of that promise. So would you like to live a more countercultural life? Would you like to live a life that is a little bit more integrated and a little bit more connected thing to thing and, and piece to piece? The marvelous thing in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is the storytelling, again, the narrative. Paul says, you remember all the stuff I told you when we sat around the fire and hung out? The persecutions, Iconium, Lystra, all of those things. You remember the shipwrecks, all of that. You know, you know Timothy. We sat in kibbutz and, and, and we prayed together. And we spent time together and you know my story. And he said, I know yours. How from infancy you've known the scriptures of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they've made you wise unto salvation. Paul affirming the younger Timothy and saying, you got this big guy. And at the end in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 17, he says, these scriptures that you know, this connection through the word makes you thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to be countercultural, don't dip your toe in the water of life, but slowly immerse yourself in life with the purpose of God behind you, in you, and working through you. We don't get that by being busy and doing more. We do that by clarifying our purpose and knowing who we are and what we're all about. We do it in essence with the connection to God. And this venue, this moment, this hour and a half makes all the difference in the world. Because this isn't a full stop. This is a pause. And it's a pause for us to do what Joshua did to tell the story of our lives, of our family, of our faith, of our church. And to let those stories wrap up one into another so that the, the, the younger families find joy in the perseverance of the older families. That we love to hear the sounds of children in worship because it reminds us that God is recreating the story of his gospel in another generation. And so we gather together, we pause to tell this story and to be reminded of God's promises for us. We don't gather together as a listless band of Bedouins. We gather together as a purpose-filled Jesus identified people of God gathered in his name and for his purposes in our lives. And we're called the renewal. Every fall seems to be a, a time for that. Where we kind of shrug off old routine and pick up new routine and say, I got other things I'm going to do. And that's why worship becomes so important. Because in that renewal reminds us that there's more movement in our lives to come. Our lives are not sedentary but dynamic. And weekly worship then connects us to one another, to God and to his promises. To be able to ferret out and filter through what is important in our lives and what is superfluous. What is immediately adding value to the soul, to our soul and to the lives of those around us. And, and, and what just kind of is fluff. Jesus speaks of movement in Luke chapter 9 when he says these words, verses 22 and 23. Whoever, 23 and 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and daily follow me. 
Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Man, I read that hard. That last verse is really hard for me to read. The old translation from the NIV and from the RSV is, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? And I think about that a lot. I wonder if we forfeit our souls to the idols of this age, not the gods of the Amorites or the Hittites or the Jebusites or whatever, but to the gods of athletics and sports and activity and all of those things. And if I get to heaven's gate and the Lord says, man, I'm glad you liked football, but dude, what a waste of time. I hope the decisions that I made in the driving purpose of my life in the amount of time that I have allocated has not cost me my soul or myself. I'm on the back half of my life. I have fewer days ahead than days behind, unless I live to be 108, which I don't know, maybe I will. So the things I choose to invest my time in and myself and my soul in, hopefully, are refined through the purpose of God working through me. What does it profit someone to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The answer to that is nothing. It profits you nothing to gain the whole world but lose your soul. And I don't mean to end the sermon on a dour negative note, but I want to think about the payoff and the trade-off for investing your life in purpose and just being busy. Because we make decisions every day that take money, effort, time, energy, health, vitality, and sometimes those decisions we make, we get to the end of the day and we say, great. Having worshiped today, having paused for an hour and a half, would you think a deeper thought with me? And would you use this venue, this moment, this time, here this Sunday and every other Sunday until Jesus comes back to be connected to him? to make the decisions in life based on the very best things for you rather than just filling time. So keep on moving, but move with purpose. Keep on moving, but sometimes pause and remember and reflect. And as you move, sometimes you have to fall back and I get those days and those moments. April was that for me to fall back. But continue to move forward and press on in your life with great dedication to God, with great connection to Him, and with great purpose in everything that you do. Amen.